0: Sir, what's marriage like? He said, son, it's a little bit of heaven and a whole lot of hell. Now, either of you laughed or got offended at that statement, but there's more truth there than most people realize. The basic idea of marriage is that it takes two, right? It takes two, you and me. But the Christian concept of marriage is not just two, it's the three of us. Not you, her, and your mother-in-law. <laughs> three is you, me, and the Lord, right? The so three of us in this together, Psalm 127, one. Except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain, that build it. And except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. This is really the foundation of a healthy marriage. Is God being the foundation, and He's the one who watches over you and helps you. But if we really want to understand how to fight for our marriage, we have to add one more number to the equation. It's not just you and me, it's not just you, me, and Jesus, right? It's not two, it's not three, but it's actually four trying to play a role in your marriage. You, me, the Lord, and the enemy. It's four. C.S. Lewis said this, the greatest trick the devil played was to convince the world he doesn't exist. You need to understand that the devil hates marriage and he will do anything to destroy it. Did you know that when he looks at your marriage, he sees the fullness of the image of God? Because the Bible says that God made them in his image, male and female. He created them in his image. That means that you two, as husband and wife, together represent the fullness of God that you cannot achieve on your own. The devil hates marriage. There should be a little bit of heaven and a whole lot of hell. This should be a man and woman seeking heaven and fighting hell. <laughs> Y'all might not say amen, but I'll preach it anyway. <laughs> you, me, the Lord, and the enemy. By the way, let me clear this up husband and wife. Your husband, your wife, is not the enemy.
1: Okay, come on.
0: Just look at them and say, You're not my enemy. <laughs> Somebody's had a hard time saying that, but hey man, God will help you. They're not the enemy. You have an enemy of your soul, the deceiver, and he's the one that we fight. (laughs) So if you want to see victory, serve the Lord, love each other, and fight the devil. All right. So let's get into some practical stuff this morning. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 4. This is every man's favorite Bible verse. Okay. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to the husband. Now, men, before you get all excited, you need to read the next part of this verse, because the Bible says something here that's very controversial in first century culture where men view women as property. The Bible has a radical concept of mutual submission. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. You guys don't have ownership over yourselves. You hand that off when you enter into the covenant of marriage. And if I could sum up what the Bible's saying in this verse, it would be this It's not about you. Come on, somebody say, It's not about me. Come on, say it again. It's not about me. Now have a little fun, look at your neighbor, and say, It's not about you either. (laughs) According to the Word of God, it's not about you. And if I could sum up the heart of my message today, in case some of y'all are taking medication or have to leave early, it's this. Christian marriage is when you both serve each other. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says this love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Somebody said one time, you know why our women are so good at being archaeologists because they're so talented at digging up the past. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep the record of rules. <laughs> and if you want to be a better husband or a better wife, don't do what most people do. They read 1 Corinthians 13 and judge their spouse according to what it says. If you really want to be a good husband or a good wife, I want you to quote 1 Corinthians 13 out loud and put your own name in the equation. Make it personal. I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. I am not proud. I will not dishonor others. I'm not self seeking. I'm not easily angered, and I keep no record of wrongs. Say it out loud and don't lie when you say it. Let that be who you are your husband or wife. Make it personal. Love is not (laughs) self-seeking. When you love each other in Christian marriage, it's a type of love that doesn't seek your own interests above theirs. (laughs) And by the way, you have to love like that whether your spouse is a Christian or not. (laughs) If there is one Christian in the marriage, we read this last week in God's eyes, it is a Christian marriage because one believer sanctifies the whole house. Hallelujah number one problem in marriages today is, if I'm going to be real, selfishness. Every major problem can be traced back to the problem of selfishness and self-seeking. Come on, you've heard it. I'm not happy. He's not meeting my needs. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. That's not putting God in your marriage. That's serving the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Selfishness will destroy any relationship, but especially marriage. And this is the number one lie that Satan will plant in your mind when your marriage is going through something. I deserve that. No, you don't. You be safe for where you are. <laughs> I just love to be countercultural. I'm so special, you You just like everybody else. <laughs> Uh, selfishness will destroy marriage. Philippians 2, 4 says, Let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. The problem is that many marriages are at a standstill, still. A showdown, really, if you want to get down to it. Instead of focusing on the needs of the other, they're so obsessed with their own needs. This is what happens. He's not meeting my needs, so I won't do for him what he wants until do he does for me what I want. She's not meeting my needs, so I won't do what she wants until she does what I want, and that's why marriages are stuck at a standoff. God's plan for marriages is for you to focus on their needs above your own needs. Many marriages fail because they're doing the exact opposite. Each partner's focus on themselves rather than their main team. So, today I'm going to get practical with you. Not going to be super deep, super spiritual, but if you'll follow some of this wisdom, it may help you in your marriage. And for those of you who are single, this is just training, all right? To get ready, all right. Today I'm going to give you the five needs of men and women. I'm going to give you some five basic things that you can do starting today to move in the right direction. Here are the five needs of a woman. Number one is affection. emotional capacity, and that is one of their primary needs. So guys, if you're terrible at showing affection, here's some ideas. <laughs> Open doors for her, and don't set them because she walks all the way through. Open doors for her, put your arm around her, hold her hand in public. And by the way, guys, you need to understand this, every touch doesn't need to be a sexual touch. If the only time you touch your wife is when you want some, let me prophesy to you—you ain't getting nothing. Just trying to help you out. Christian marriage counselors have said for every sexual touch, there should be twelve non-sexual touches. Some of you looking at me like I'm speaking Chinese, but listen to me—this will help you. Out. What are some other ways that we show affection? Call her when you're at work. Is that I'm just thinking about it? Tell you love her. Go for a walk together. Watch a movie. <laughs> it could be a romantic movie or it could be Guns blazing. I don't care. You all decide. <laughs> Send her flowers when it's not Valentine's Day. That's <laughs> just told us something, really. he said the day he told his mother. He said, "Mama, I want to live at home with you and Daddy forever." She said, Well, baby, don't you, don't you want to get married? I was, oh, yeah, I'm going to get married one day, but I'm going to stay at your house and I'm going to go see her on Valentine's Day and our anniversary. <laughs> if you're on the Hudson Plan, you got some work to do, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Man was sitting at the breakfast table reading the paper, and his wife asked him, Do you know what today is? He immediately did the God thing. Oh, yeah, of course I sure I know what today is. He at his wife he said, oh boy. He told her, i got to go to work early this morning. I'm sorry, I, I forgot I had an important meeting. I got to run out. So he, he went straight to the store and said, well, maybe it's a birthday. So on the way to work, he sent her a flower arrangement. And on his lunch break, he said, well, what if it's not a birthday? What if it's our anniversary? He said, he went to the boards and sent another two dozen red roses. And when he got off work, he was driving home and he started to think, what if it's a big anniversary? So he stopped by the jewelers and he bought her a diamond necklace. And when when he got home and he gave her everything, she jumped in his arms with tears in her eyes. She said, This is the best groundhog day ever. Guys, show your wife a little affection, it will make a difference. These are the women. One, affection. Number two, conversation. Talk to your wife. They say that men talk an average of 7,000 words a day and women speak an average of 20,000 words a day. And some of y'all wanted to say amen right there, but you, you, you were very, very smart. Men, that means you've got some work to do in the conversation arena. <laughs> talk to your wife, engage her in conversation. If you can talk for hours about cars and sports and work and your hobbies, but you can't talk to your wife for five minutes, you're in trouble. You got work to do. Work on that. Affection, conversation. Number three, openness. Be open with her and tell her what's on your mind and share with her what you're going through. Because if somebody asks me what I'm going through, I'll say, oh, nothing. That's all good. And I'm dying inside you got to let go of that pride and open up and share with her everything that's on your heart. Because guys like to shield their family from problems. But marriage is a partnership. And whatever you're going through in life, it needs to be shared. All right. Number one, affection, two, conversation, three, openness, and four. Oh, boy. I don't know if I should say it. Financial support. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Women don't deal with financial pressure the same way that men do. Men are fighters. We, we love a good challenge. I, I just love an impossible situation. When men face financial pressure, something activates inside of us, and we tend to rise to the challenge. But women are not wired that way. They need stability, so do all you can to provide that for her. And number five, is family commitment. She needs to know that you're committed to her And to the family. So be the best husband, be the best father you can be. Invest in your family and make them a priority. They come before work, before church, before anything else. When I read the book of Genesis, I see God's created order. And I believe that should be a model for us in our relationship. God first made Adam. So it was okay, it's you and me, God. Then he made Adam and Eve, so marriage came second. And then all the babies and kids and businesses and churches and all that stuff came later. So if you want to be the best husband, the best wife you can be, put your relationship with God foremost and let that determine your second most important relationship with your husband or wife and then everything else comes after that. Y'all good? Still with me? Well, that was easy. That was five weeks of Women, okay ladies, here it is, the five needs of man. And I hope everybody takes good notes today. Here are the five needs of man. It's really just one need and four alternate options, okay? Y'all ready? Number one is sex. (laughs) Some of y'all like this church. Some of y'all ain't never coming back. (laughs) This is man's number one need. Ladies, if you're trying to find the perfect gift for your husband... For Christmas, for his birthday, for Valentine's uh, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Memorial Day, Easter, President's Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, Black Day, Labor Day, Cinco de Mayo, Thanksgiving, or any given Tuesday. This is the perfect gift that never goes out of (laughs) style. That's his greatest need, number one. Y'all are so uncomfortable. Let me give you number two respect and admiration. This is very important for men. They need to be respected and admired. Every time you tear him down, criticize him, pick him apart, especially in front of other people, you're robbing him of one of his most fundamental. Men need to be respected and they need to be admired. And this is a trap of the enemy because if you're going through something in your marriage and he doesn't feel respected or admired, the devil's going to send somebody who's going to build him up buttercup. That ain't nothing but the enemy trying to destroy what God has given you. Men need to be respected and they need to be admired. Just like it's not okay for a man to say, I love my wife, but I never tell her. It's not okay for a woman to say, I admire my husband, I, I never tell him that. Celebrate him no matter what. Find something about him to celebrate. He might be a loser, but even a broken clock is right twice a day. Fast and pray and say, Lord, tell me something I can admire and respect about this man, and God will bless you and he'll strengthen your marriage. Amen. If you want your husband to be better and to grow as a person, the answer is not to beat him down, but to build him up. Celebrate the small victories. I've seen believing wives whose the husband was not a believer, and then he came to faith in Christ, and he would say, say, say pray like it was a big step for him to pray over the food. So he would say something like, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat it. And the other wife, the It takes him apart. You call that a prayer? He starts nitpicking picking kicking it. Instead, the right response is, Well, hallelujah, you did so good. And praying over the meal today, I'm so proud of you. Because you know what? If you encourage him over a terrible prayer, he's going to get excited so You know what? I can't wait to pray again. I to pray better next time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's from a dub dub, thank you for the grub It's going to get better and better and better. You want to improve, celebrate, and encourage him and build him up needs his man. You know what number one is? A Number two is respect and admiration. Number three is companionship. Do stuff with it. Have fun together. Guess what? Your husband loves to have fun. Don't make him do it with other people all the time. Find some way to have fun and enjoy life. Together. Number four, guys love this, and I'll probably get fired for this one, but men like a wife that invests in herself. Ladies, men love, love a woman who puts time and effort into herself. I complain all the time over the fact that it takes me seven minutes to get dressed and leave the house, and it takes my wife 70 minutes to get ready to leave. I complain about it, but deep down inside, I love it. I love that she cares about how she looks. It takes time to prepare herself. But for the record, I think she looks gorgeous without makeup because some of y'all are snitches. And every time I talk about her when she's a kidster, y'all just are strange to the kids. But you just I have to deal with it all week long. So thank you for that. For all the snitches, I think she looks beautiful without makeup. <laughs> but everybody's not like that where well, years ago we had friends from out of town and they came to stay with us for the weekend and I got up the next morning and walked out and i about called the police. I'm like, who oh, is this dude my living room? He's like, man, he's a wife. There's nothing like a French coat of paint. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ladies, your husband's on the
0: Number five, I'm going to have to pray more than y'all pray at the end of this message. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, men need to lead. I know that we live in an age of women's empowerment, and I love empowered women. My wife is a strong woman, and I love that about her. She is capable of doing anything she sets her mind to. I believe in strong, capable women, but the problem is that our culture has done nothing but emasculate men. Years. Men still have a God given need to lead. That's why Ephesians 5 says, Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Men, God's called you to lead. And ladies, let him lead. (laughs) Like I said, my wife is strong and she's a natural leader, but she chooses to let me lead. We don't fight, struggle, and swallow, and quarrel over who's going to be in charge. That's a decision we make, but we go through it together. We lead together. But sometimes she just lets me drive every now and then. You know what I'm saying? Again, marriage is not a dictatorship. It's a partnership. But men have a responsibility to be the spiritual leaders of the family. A controlling woman makes her husband weaker, but a strong, godly woman makes her husband stronger. We live in a culture that has stripped men of leadership. I believe women are capable of leading and often are great leaders, but our culture is focused so much on women in leadership that they have neglected to teach men about their own responsibilities. I heard a secular psychologist say this that we're harming our boys and young men in this nation not by teaching by not teaching them about their responsibility to be strong and to lead. We have a whole generation of young men who are angry, frustrated, violent, and resentful, and they don't even know why. I'll tell you why, because God designed men to be leaders, and our culture has been working for years to suppress that leadership. If you've got young kids in the house, young boys at home, you need to teach them that they are natural-born leaders because they need responsibility. Men have an innate need inside of them to lead. So, hopefully, whether you love me or hate me, I really don't care too much. Those are the basic needs of men and women. Take it home and talk about it today. Listen, God's plan for marriage is for us to meet each other's needs. And marriage does work, y'all. You know that. Some of you imagined a Hallmark movie when you thought about marriage, then you got married and found out it was more of a lifetime movie. Somebody told me once, love is but marriage is an eye opener. But things don't always go as expected. A lot of people think marriage is going to solve their problems. Marriage brings its own problems. And if you want to be married, you better get ready for some work days. <laughs> you be ready to be ready to roll up your sleeves. There will be days when you go to work and do a job and then you come home and you do another job. It takes work, but it's worth it. Some of you, if you worked at your job like you work at your marriage, you wouldn't have no J-O-B. Marriage is good, and marriage is a blessing, and it's not always easy, and it takes work. There will be days when you leave work and you can't wait to get home to see your husband, to see your wife. Yes, I can't, I can't wait to get home and see her, see him, and just spend time with them. And there will be other days when you drive around the block four or five times because you're not ready to face what you're going on to. There will be times when you have to work because anything worth having is worth working for. When you're dating, you're not ready. This is for the single folks in the house. When you're dating, you're not dating the real person. You're dating the best representative of that person. You're dating the best version of them because when you get married, that's when you meet the real person. And real people take real work to be married to. And the case you're sitting there judging them, you're not as easy to live with as you think you are. That <laughs> might have be been the best thing I said all day. Listen, nobody's easy to live with. Absolutely nobody. I know that we all think we're all but in reality. We're not all that easy to live with. Most of us want the gift of a relationship without the giving involved in that relationship. He said, marriage, when you do it God's way, it's like anything else in God's kingdom. It's not about getting. It. It's about giving. It. Jesus said what? Give <laughs> It'll be in the evening. He didn't say, take, 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 work, work, work get, 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 it'll be, giving He said, no, step one is give. If you want to get more out of your marriage, you got to give. you got to invest more in the person you're married to. Amen? You want to give, you have to first give. Read." reap. And you will sow, give, and it will be given unto you. Put their knees before your own. I'm almost done. Word of God says this. First Corinthians 7, 2, Let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Y'all know this talking about sexual relationships. The answer to sexual sin is not no sex. Like the the church folks said, I came growing up. Sex is nasty, it's vulgar, it's gross, it's disgusting, it's sinful, it's terrible, so save them from marriage. The answer to sexual sin is not no sex. The answer to sexual sin is sex in marriage. Talked about this a couple weeks ago. The problem with the modern church is that the singles are having sex and the married people aren't. And that's the exact opposite of what's right. Marriage is the only place that God has established for men and women to find sexual fulfillment. So if you're married, you ought have sex as much as you can. <laughs> you know why? You're the only people on this planet that God has blessed for that privilege. Proverbs 5.15, it talks really subtle, but it's talking about intimacy. Uh, and it, it really spells out a plan for us. Proverbs 5.15, it says, drink water from your own sister." Sister was a covered water supply that had no outside contamination. In other words, drink water from your sister, not somebody else's. And running water from your own well. That means that we should find fulfillment within our own marriage, nowhere else. Verse 16 Should your fountains be dispersed abroad as streams of water in the streets? I mean, you don't have the half baby, daddy, baby, mama's everywhere. Verse 17, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Again, this is a closed source. Don't let anybody else get involved. Verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Don't you love the Bible? I love the Word of God. Hallelujah. I wouldn't be nothing but a Christian. This is God's plan for you, for you to satisfy each other. God's plan for a husband and wife is to serve each other's needs, physically, emotionally, in every area of life. Now let me get serious with you for a minute as the praise team musicians come. I think the biggest threat to the church, to the body of Christ, is not the devil. No. It's not the government. No. It's not the world. The greater he who is in us than he who is in the world. The biggest threat to the body of Christ, now so the devil is not the world; is Christians who are halfway serving God—one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Listen, Jesus wants to be Lord of all. He wants your whole life. And the problem is that many people say they believe the Bible, but they don't live the Bible. Top two areas most people don't surrender to God is their bank account and their bedroom. You need to honor God with your money and you just need to honor God with your sex life. Jesus called us the light of the world. As Christians, we're supposed to be different from the world around us. We cannot make a difference in the world until we live differently from the world. So sex out of bounds is normal to the world, but God has called us to a higher standard, hasn't he? So whether you're married or single or you're not sure what your status is. you're having sex outside of God's boundaries, let God deal with your heart today and surrender that to Him. God is not here to condemn you, to hurt you, to harm you. He's here to show you the right way to live and set you free. You say, well, I can't help it. People say that all the time. The Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. Maybe you can't, but He can. Trust God because He's more than able to change your life and those desires in your heart. Maybe your marriage is not what it should be. I want to encourage you today, if God can part the Red Sea, He can save your marriage. Some of the best marriages are the ones who made it through the worst situations. Maybe you're married to an unbeliever. Maybe you're married to a partner who isn't doing their part. Well, Pastor, what do I do? Be faithful where you are. Keep doing what's right, even if they don't. And I promise you that God will honor you and bless you. Others of you today message left on some areas where you need to do better. My prayer is for you to become so good at satisfying and serving and blessing your spouse. So good at loving them and investing them that they can't help but follow Jesus. Maybe there's no intimacy in your marriage. Maybe maybe that's not where you start. You start by meeting each other's needs in other areas and the intimacy will come. But no matter the season, God has all the power you need. And if you trust Him and give it to Him, He will help you sustain you. Will you stand this morning as we pray? Holy Spirit, as we stand in your presence this morning, God, I ask that you would take these truths, these principles, these concepts, and Lord, stir our hearts. Lord, give us the desire within us. Lord, you send in your word that it's you who works in us. God, work in us this morning. God, to be better husbands, to be better wives, God, to be better sons and daughters, God, to be better sanctified singles, God, that we would trust you even in seasons of isolation and loneliness. God, I pray no matter what season of life people are in, God, that you will strengthen them, guide them, give them hope, Lord, for a better tomorrow. God, as they lay down their own desires and their own ways and their own lives before you, God, I thank you, God, that what they gain will be infinitely better than anything they had to lay down because you are good and you are faithful and you are full of life and freedom and hope and restoration. Lord, I thank you that you'll accept anybody who's willing to come to you. That you never judge our future based on our past. But Lord, we can have a new beginning, a fresh start with you this morning. You said in your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That in your eyes, as if we had never lived the past, it had never happened, you wipe the record clean. God, I pray, Lord, whether it's believers who are struggling, God, with life right now, or people who have never known you, Lord, I pray that your presence would be with them this morning. Give them the boldness and strength. God to surrender everything to lay it all at your feet, to let you give them a fresh start, a new beginning, hope for a better tomorrow. I thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place. If you don't know the Lord, I want to lead you in a simple prayer to help you start that journey of faith in Christ. Will you pray this prayer with me out loud? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'll live for you all of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. As we say in just a moment of... Prayer and a mindset of worship. If you're here with your husband or wife, will you just take them by their hand this morning? And maybe your husband or wife isn't with you. Will you just lift up a hand to heaven? We want to just pray over every marriage in this house today. Father, I thank you. The marriage is your idea. That it's your concept, that it's your divine design for mankind. And God, I pray over every marriage in this house today, God, no matter where they are, God, I pray that you would be with them and be present with them. God, that you would strengthen them and protect them, God. And I thank you, Lord, for sustaining each and every one of us. God, through every season of life, God, I pray, Lord, that you would give them the boldest, Give them the faith, give them the hope in their hearts not to give up, not to grow weary in doing well, but to persevere, to keep pushing forward because it's worth it. Father, I thank you for your blessings on every family here. God, your blessings on every single person. God, helping them to trust you and follow you. God, in the season of life, Lord, we thank you for your mercy, your goodness. We're so thankful for the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. We even remain standing as.